God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio, and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News Radio Program on Blog Talk Radio. We're also on YouTube with our channel under my name, Susan Puzio. We also have our website, propheticnews.com, and we have two books on Amazon. I just rewrote and added three new chapters to my book, about Paula White, and I changed the title to President Trump's Pastor, Paula White, the miracle-selling huckster who became the spiritual advisor to the world's most powerful man. So we have the Kindle edition up now, and you can download a free Kindle app if you don't have a Kindle reader. You can download an app, and then if you purchase the, the Kindle edition, you can read it on the Kindle pre, uh, Kindle app, so then you don't have to have a Kindle. But anyway, the paperback, I hope, will be out next week. And so we ask the Lord to bless it, because I think there people need to know, and I you write these books and you spend hundreds of hours doing the research and putting the book together because you want people to read it, obviously, because of the information that's in there that people should know about a woman who's been advising the former president of the United States for many years, or so she says. But, of course, she was working in the White House, and they did have a long friendship, whether or not, He just picked her because he thought, well, here's a patsy I could use to influence evangelicals. And she did bring many, many evangelicals to the White House. Of course, I thought they were compromised anyway, aligning themselves with her, because here you have a woman that doesn't even know that Mrs. Moon, or maybe she does know, that Mrs. Moon is a cult leader. And she appears for Mrs. Moon and says Mrs. Moon loves the Lord. Another reason why I think that all of this is so very important, because we know that there's going to be an antichrist, there's going to be a political figure that will rise from the ashes of the mess that the New World Order is making now. And... The Antichrist will be in an alignment with a false prophet. So we, we can kind of see the beginnings of this when we look at somebody like Donald Trump, which I could forgive his personal idiosyncrasies. idiosyncrasies. I could have forgiven those. There was a lot of things that you could kind of overlook, but when it comes to spiritual things and it comes to people's eternal destinies, then I cannot overlook that. I cannot overlook the fact that he too appeared 
for Mrs. Moon and called her a tremendous person. Who would do that? Who would call somebody a tremendous person when really the person is mentally ill because Mrs. Moon thinks that she's the Holy Spirit and that she's married to Jesus and that her husband was the Messiah and that Jesus was a failure. So these kind of things should alarm us as Christians and we need to know who is advising these people spiritually. Because if we don't take a stand as Christians and say, no, we're not going to vote for this kind of a person. When it comes to heaven or hell issues, you cannot support someone who has no discernment at all that would have somebody like Paula White representing them, and then supposedly she's supposed to be representing evangelicals. Well, I don't want her representing me as an evangelical, that's for sure. So I think it's very, very important that this information gets out there. And uh, the paperback will be in large print, so it's easy to read, especially for older eyes like my own. <laughs> I, when I look at some of the books in my library, and the print is so small, I, I can't even hardly see it with glasses. So, <laughs> But I did print the book in a large print, so it'll be easier to read. And it's something that you can pass along. Once you read it and you have all this information in your head, you can help your friends who may say to you, well, you know, Donald Trump's a Christian and Paula White led him to the Lord. You'd say, well, I don't think so. Read the information that's in this book. And uh, maybe you can help some people come out of the fog because we're in, we're in perilous times right now. There's so many things going on. We have this horrible war going on between Russia and the Ukrainians. And it's awful to watch. It's really awful to watch what's, what's happening. So we have to be aware of what's going on, and especially when it has to do with politicians and spirituality. And also with, with Putin, there's a spiritual aspect to this war, too. It's not just that he wants to conquer Ukraine and he wants to rebuild the Soviet Union. He, he has uh, his own religious beliefs that are affecting what he's thinking about this war. And we'll get into that in this program. But anyway, we have, uh, like I said, we have those things available to you. And it's interesting in information. And we thank God for the people that spend time doing the research and looking into especially so-called religious figures who uh, who like to put on a show anyway. They like to say, well, uh, I love Jesus. and But what Jesus are you talking about? Because uh, most of the time they're not even talking about the Jesus that we know, the real Jesus. It's just like... Uh, 
now Paula White has a drive going where she's going, she's asking a thousand people to come to her church today to spend eight hours packing food to send to feed the Ukrainians. And she's going to get a cargo plane to bring a million meals to the Ukrainians, which, okay, there's nothing wrong with wanting to feed people, but they have food in Europe. They have food in Poland. They have food in the countries that are surrounding the Ukraine. So they can get the food there. They don't have to spend, I think somebody said it was like 200000 to 500000 to 700000 to even a million dollars to get an airplane, a cargo plane, to bring a million meals from Florida over to Eastern Europe, which is so stupid. I, I can't even believe, but it's all for show. It's, it's for show. When you can get food there, have somebody set up a food kitchen or a food distribution in the countries that are nearby and feed people, not just send over a, a million meals for a couple of days. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, people were standing there in her gymnasium with these boxes and packing food and it looked like some of the food had to be cooked so how are these people even going to cook I can't believe the whole thing it's ridiculous if you're a smart steward with your money you're going to look for an outlet nearby the country and get the food there and save yourself 500000 to a million dollars on an airplane. But again, it's for show. It's like, look what we're doing. We're going to pack a million meals. So we'll see if a 1,000 people show up today there at her church and, and uh, stand there for eight hours packing food boxes. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Fa packing food boxes, if you live in Florida, to pack food boxes for Florida. If you live in another state, you get people in, in that state to pack boxes for their state. You don't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to a million dollars on transportation. It just, it just it doesn't make any sense to me at all. And even somebody else was saying that, another evangelist was saying that. They asked him if he would participate with this, getting this airplane to fly over there. And they, they said to him, well, you could take, then you could go over and have a photo op. <laughs> yeah, it's about the photo op, yeah. He said, well, I don't need a photo op. And anyway, I don't need to waste my time when I can work with churches in Poland and the other countries that are there to get food to these people, not just for two days or three days, but on a continuous basis. So anyway... We had our State of the Union message the other night, which was, of course, I don't watch Biden. I try not to watch him. It's a little disconcerting. I think it's, it, I think it's very disconcerting when he made this statement. Let me play this statement for you. And the fact that people were applauding 
people of Ukraine. In the battle between democracy and autocracies, democracies are rising to the moment, and the world is clearly choosing the side of peace and security. This is the real test, and it's going to take time. So let us continue to draw inspiration from the iron will of the Ukrainian people to our fellow Ukrainian Americans who forge the deep bond that connects our two nations. We stand with you. We stand with you. Putin may circle Kyiv with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. He'll never, he'll never extinguish their love of freedom, and he will never. <laughs> I mean, there's a prime example of people not listening to what somebody's saying and getting up and applauding when he just said, the Iranian people instead of the Ukrainian people. He didn't even go back to correct himself. And the two women behind him, they both stand up and start applauding too. Like, what are you doing? This is, this is crazy. So you can see what's happening to people. They're not listening. They're not paying attention to what people are saying. They're just applauding anything that somebody says, whether they said the wrong thing or not. It's just who's saying it. And also, he made a statement. <laughs> he made another statement that was so off the wall about Putin invading Russia. <laughs> oh, dear. So, you know, they have that um, saying where it says the the patients are running the asylum. <laughs> And that's, that seems to be how it is. Here, here, I'll play this clip. How do we get to the place where, you know, Putin decides he's going to just invade Russia? Nothing like this has happened since World War II. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's the president of the United States. Oh, God help us. You know, Putin's invading his own country. <laughs> Oh, dear. And I can laugh about it, but it's not funny, really. I mean, it's really not funny. This man is supposed to be running our country. Oh. We're in trouble, folks. We are in big trouble. We really are. <clears throat> but anyway, when I was doing some... Uh, research about this program. And there was many theories that came out about this war. And some of them had to do with Fatima, of course, and the Catholic Church, and the secret, the third secret of Fatima. And also, there's, there's this history called the Baptism of Rus which happened in 988 
and it's associated with the name of Prince Vladimir. Of course, we know Vladimir is the first name of President Putin. It was him who, in those times, decided which religion the people inhabiting the ancient Rus should profess. So there, there seems to be, now Putin belongs to the Orthodox Church. There's videos of him on the different video channels where he he does a baptism. It's freezing cold, and he, he's got no shirt on, and he goes inside this cold pool and dunks himself. And then you see pictures of him kissing pictures of Mary and kissing different icons when he goes to these events. And so there's a religious aspect to it because they, the Ukrainians want their sect of the Orthodox Church and the Russians want their sect of the Orthodox Church and Vladimir wants to bring it all back together because of this ancient history. Some people are saying that it could have something to do with how he looks at it in a spiritual sense. But of course, we know that these churches aren't, I wouldn't call them real Christian churches as long as they're not that. The, the people, uh, the heads of these organizations are wearing these religious garbs and these headdresses, and they have people come up, and this probably was before COVID, and people walking up and kissing crosses and then kissing the guy's hand. It's all weird. and uh, But anyway, Putin has some kind of... And you can see him. He goes up and on these videos, you can see him going up and he's kissing these icons and then he's making the sign of a, the cross on himself. And and uh, he even referred to it in the past few, few weeks about these uh, people in the Ukraine, these godless people. And, and uh, so I think part of his thinking is to bring that country back into the, uh, under his leadership, and then with these, with that sect of the Orthodox Church. And then, of course, then the Catholics have to chime in because they, they want to uh, consecrate Russia, and they want to set Russia apart and consecrate Russia because of the third secret of Fatima, where supposedly the Virgin Mary appeared to these three children and she gave them this secret where Russia had to be consecrated so that they could save the whole world or something. <laughs> it's all very ridiculous, but people believe it. People believe it. And when you when you can see the masses and you see these people walking up to in these Orthodox churches, and of course the men have all these funny costumes on, and they're standing up there with this crucifix, and there's lines of people lining up to kiss this thing, and all these people are kissing the same thing. 
how sanitary is that? And then they're kissing this guy's hand and he, he doesn't mind giving it to them either. Could you imagine letting people do that to you? Even that in itself is very strange. What kind of a mind do you have yourself when you allow yourself to be treated in, in that manner? where you allow people to worship you in a sense. So it doesn't really make much sense to us clear-thinking individuals, but there's still, we have a big problem in this world with religion as far as people believing things just because their mother believed it or their father believed it, and so they believe it too. But even if you talk, even if you talk to most Catholics and you ask them what they what their church really teaches or what do you really believe, they can't tell you. There's some things maybe they can tell you, but they can't tell you any everything about their church doctrines and and that type of thing. They just go there and they just believe what they're told. So if if you could see people lining up to kiss a cross, like what does that prove? And what does it what does that prove to kiss somebody's hand? It proves nothing. But yet they have millions of people that believe that there's some kind of spiritual blessing or some great spirituality that applies to their actions when it doesn't at all. But let's play a little bit of this history for you. President Vladimir Putin has embraced his faith routinely appearing at Christmas and other religious services. Analysts say he's used the Russian Orthodox Church to promote a so-called pivot to traditional values. But even as the church's status has risen, Putin has sought to ensure it remains subservient to the state. We can see understandable contradiction between uh, the interests of the church and the interests of the state like in case of Crimea. The contradiction is connected to the fact that Russian Orthodox Church is not only about Russia, it's about a much bigger space, including Ukraine. If the Russian Orthodox Church is enjoying a kind of renaissance, other religious groups can't say the same. Last year, President Putin signed a law restricting the promotion of religion. Under communism, the Russian Orthodox Church was suppressed its property confiscated, its followers harassed and imprisoned. Now a resurgent church is central to President Putin's idea of Russian identity, an echo chamber to Kremlin policies at home and abroad. So what lies behind these ever closer ties? Yeah. What does lie behind it? That's the question. Here's another clip. ...is more than territorial. Another issue is religion. Most of the the Russian Orthodox Ukraine Church claims the, the allegiance of three-quarters of the well population, years. But now, so it's that no surprise that Vladimir Putin acknowledges its importance. Or that its spiritual leader, Patriarch Kirill, returns the favor, calling the president a miracle of God. But some say the relationship between Putin and the Orthodox faith goes far beyond mere recognition like this one are breaking out. That is a match made in heaven. The, the Christian Orthodox Church is more than territorial. Another issue is religion. 
Most of the churches in Ukraine have been under the authority of the Russian Orthodox Church for well over 300 years. But now that authority is in dispute. NewsHour Weekend Special Correspondent Simon Ostrovsky has our story, which was produced with support from the Pulitzer Center for Crisis Reporting. These are tense times in Ukraine. All across the country, disputes like this one are breaking out. Those arguing say that at stake is nothing less than Ukraine's very soul. As with most of the Orthodox churches in this country, this village church's leadership sits not in its home country, but in Moscow. It's something the people here want to try to change. It puts them at odds not just with their priest, but with the Russian Orthodox Church as a whole. Put us on opposing sides. As a priest, I swore an oath to the Lord that I would protect my flock from schism. Amen. Until about five years ago, the church's link to Moscow bothered few. You are our community's priest. You should attend. And whatever the community decides, it's up to you. Then, in 2014, Russia annexed Ukraine's Crimea Peninsula and sparked a brutal war in the country's east. Since the war, Russian Orthodox priests appearing alongside Russian soldiers has become hard for Ukrainians to swallow. Even harder to take is the traditional prayer said at every Mass for the leader of the church, Patriarch Kirill. He's a close ally of Vladimir Putin. But in January, at the request of Ukraine's president, another Orthodox leader, the ecumenical patriarch of Constantinople, Bartholomew, found an opportunity to officially break with the Russian Orthodox Church and sign the Ukrainian Orthodox Church back into existence. It meant the new Ukrainian Orthodox Church could now appoint and pray for its own leadership, as well as give the Ukrainian language a more prominent place in services. More importantly, the Constantinople Patriarch's high status gives the church legitimacy in the eyes of many ordinary believers, but not one particular believer. What's happening is a crude interference in church affairs. Russia's church and government have refused to recognize Bartholomew's authority in the matter, and Putin's reaction has been to threaten to intervene, much like he did in 2014 when Moscow annexed Crimea on the pretext of protecting Russian speakers there. Now, he says, he wants to protect the faith. We reserve the right to respond and do everything possible to protect human rights, including the freedom of religion. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo congratulated the head of the new church. According to the State Department, it was to underscore America's support for religious freedom and Ukrainian sovereignty. President Putin disagreed, publicly. The fact that the Secretary of State made a phone call to Kiev about this is totally out of line. It is absolutely unacceptable. Nevertheless, this is happening. And this, of course, is evidence of the fact that this is being done ahead of an election campaign with the goal of furthering the rift between the Russian and Ukrainian peoples. We are Ukraine. 
We are the descendants of Kievan Rus. Our land was christened by Vladimir the Great. For Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko, the issue is a matter of political survival. He faces a hotly contested presidential election at the end of the month. We are taking back our church. He's put the independence of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church at the center of his campaign for re-election. And today, a new united and independent Ukrainian Orthodox Church is born. What kind of church is it? It's a church that doesn't pray for the Russian state and the Russian army because the Russian state and the Russian army are killing Ukrainians. Now the battle for Ukraine's soul is being fought village by village in places like Oleksandrovka, where members of the Moscow-aligned clergy are struggling to retain control. Yeah, it sounds like a holy war, doesn't it? <laughs> well, there's been most, many holy wars in, throughout history. We can think of the Crusades back many, many hundreds of years ago where the Catholic Church was trying to take over Jerusalem, which they've always wanted Jerusalem because if they can take Jerusalem, then they can continue with their story of them being the one true church. And for years, they wouldn't even recognize Jerusalem as the capital city of Israel. But it, it really, it, there is a, a lot of truth to this because when you look at some of the world religions, if you look at Catholicism and you look at the Muslim faith, they all have a goal of making everyone a convert to their one true religion. And that's a, that's a real danger because as, as born-again believers, we don't try to convert people to join our church. We tell people to except Jesus Christ. And there, that's the difference. We wouldn't fight a holy war to protect a church, so to speak. Of course, we are the church as born-again believers, but we're not going to go killing people if they don't agree with us. And these holy wars throughout history, they fought and they killed people who wouldn't join or didn't want to accept their beliefs. That's not Christian in any way, shape, or form. That's not Christian, but people will. You could see how angry those, those people were when you heard these people f arguing and fighting, and then that the former president of the Ukraine is saying he's, they're going to bring back their Orthodox church well, what does that have to do with the, the uh, separation of church and state, which there was no separation there in that, in that country at that time when this man was running for uh, election? And it's the same thing in this country. There, there has to be a separation. You can't force people to believe the way you believe. Even God doesn't do that. He doesn't force people to accept his son 
and the price that was paid for our salvation. People can decide that for themselves. So these kind of forced uh, religious religious beliefs where they want to force you to join the national church or to, to force people to believe a certain way, that's not the way God does things. That's the way power-hungry leaders do things. And uh, people with too much power, it's kind of a scary thing, really. But anyway, here's uh, this Steve Bannon. Of course, we know that he he worked for a time at the White House with President Trump. And now he has a radio program, so... He is a Catholic, and he has close contact with the Vatican, which to me is a little sketchy, that thing. So I don't put a lot of stock into into uh, what Steve Bannon says. And then the other day he had this lady on. I think her name is Liz War. I'll, I'll look it up after I play this clip. But here's the first clip of her and him on his show. I want to bring in Liz Yor. Uh, you know, Liz, we bring Liz in for the tough, um, you know, she's an expert in the child trafficking and all that. We bring her in also for some of the tougher, tougher religious questions. Liz, one of the things we keep talking about is that this is a spiritual war at the end of the day, right, on a global basis. Uh, was it Archbishop Joseph Strickland, one of the, I think, le- what would be considered the leaders of the traditional Catholics in the country, put up a, uh, a stunning tweet, and I would like you to read that, ma'am. Yes, he's a very mellow and thoughtful um, bishop, and his tweet was not so measured. The United States better wake up to the lies flowing out of Washington, D.C. very quickly, or we will find ourselves in a tragic reality that this nation has never seen. We absolutely must pray without ceasing but we also need to use the brains that God gave us. Americans, wake up. Well, if that isn't a call to action, if he is now signaling that we are in very serious um, apocalyptic times nearly. And, you know, I think there's a sense in the spiritual battle that you keep reminding us, Steve, is that now, because of what's going on in Ukraine, we have the bishops of the world, um, certainly the bishops in Ukraine on Ash Wednesday, wrote this letter to a plea to Pope Francis, begging him to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which was the ultimate request in the momentous um, Fatima message of the Blessed Mother in 1917. No pope has consecrated Russia to the Immaculate Heart of the Mary, which was her request. And as a result of doing it, she promised us that there would be world peace. But as a result of it not being um, done, what has happened, Steve, is that as, as the Blessed Mother has warned Christians and Catholics have all studied this apparition, um, is that Russia would spread her heirs around the world. 
And surely when we look at the world, when we look at communist China, North Korea, Russia, um, the errors of communism have been spread throughout the world. And so the, the message of the Ukraine bishops was to implement the request of Our Lady from 1917. And they were very—this message, I have never seen bishops write to the pope like this. In these hours, they said, of immeasurable pain and terrible ordeal for our people, we are begging you to consecrate Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We ask Our Holiness to publicly perform this act of consecration. Similarly, Steve, and this is even more momentous, 176 Russian Orthodox clerics. Um, now, this is a Russian Orthodox Church that is in alignment with Putin and the government. They challenged, in a very rare stance, the, um, the policies of Putin and demanded um, on March 1st, just two days ago, that the war stop in Ukraine. Um, and they asked for this immediate cessation of the violence in war um, in Ukraine. This is unheard of for the Russian Orthodox Church to take on um, Putin, the all-powerful leader. And so you see this building momentum from our spiritual leaders around the world, sensing that this moment is one that was predicted in 1917. Um, our Lady said to the little children in Fatima, if Russia is not consecrated to my Immaculate Heart, the world will be annihilated. Can you imagine? How insane is that? That if Russia is not consecrated to my immaculate heart, the world will be annihilated. That, that, that's some crazy talk. That's some crazy talk. Here's part two of that. Um, nations will disappear. You know, in 1917, that was a strange concept to kind of get a hold of. But clearly, now we know, especially with Lavrov, um, the Russian foreign minister, saying that we are on the brink of nuclear war and that they will take nuclear weapons under consideration in this battle. So this is, you know, I would really urge your listeners, um, Catholics who have been away from the church, to heed this warning. Um, I think there's a sense of all of us that we are really in uncharted territories. And the danger is, and I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. This is much worse than the Cuban Missile Crisis. This, in a matter yeah, of days, yeah. this, this I mean, the can, last war can go pathetic. Yeah, yeah. The, the Russia pounds Ukrainian cities and China... Uh, offers peace uh, become a peacemaker. They're going to get involved here. Here's my point. War is about the law of unintended consequences. Yeah. That's what the guns of August are about. You, you have no earthy idea what's going to happen one moment to another. And if you looked at Joe Biden, given that talk the other night, and Tony Blinken and Jake Sullivan, and look at the people we have making decisions, we're already at offensive. I tell you, we're a thermonuclear war economically. On the, on, we've weaponized the dollar. People, uh, This is what I want. There's a lot of complexity here about the spiritual part of this. The, the, the whole Ukrainian 
part of the Orthodox Church versus the Russian Orthodox Church. There's a whole uh, substrate of, of, uh, of a conflict there that people are talking about and maybe what Putin's doing. There's obviously on the Roman Catholic side, which is more to the western side near Poland, those bishops have reached out to the Pope. My point is uh, Malachi Martin, there's a YouTube video up. I think it's getting hundreds of thousands of hits now. We'll make sure it's available. Malachi Martin, I think was the Jesuit that wrote for years. He's got an analysis of all this. And I realize a lot of people, even in the Catholic Church, say, hey, the apparition, apparitions and all that of Fatima, I don't know if I buy into that or not. My point is you should take a look at it and just review it. Come to your own conclusions. Liz, how can people find out more about this? Because there's obviously a deep spiritual side of this. And the people from Strickland to the Ukrainian bishops to the Orthodox uh, to the Orthodox uh, hierarchy in in, uh, in in Moscow, who's now telling Putin, hey, maybe we're not totally with this where it's headed. How do people, where do people go to find out more about this? Sure. I would, I would really urge everybody to go to Fatima.org um, to read the message, um, prayer, fasting, the rosary. Um, really, this is, Russia could be the instrument of chastisement to punish the whole world if this consecration and if people don't turn to prayer. Um, as, as, as Bishop Strickland said, Steve, unceasing prayer. Um, that's what's needed. Um, turn off the television and CNN and cable TV and start praying. I mean, we're hearing this alarm from all sorts of spiritual leaders. It's time to pay attention. I think our gut and our, and our soul tells us we are in momentous times. So Fatima.org uh, is what I would urge everybody to go to. Liz, uh, your thank you. By the way, Liz, how do people follow you? Because you're, uh, you're, we bring you in for all these complicated uh, spiritual discussions. Um, I'm at Your Children is my website, your, Y-O-R-E, children.com. I'm on Getter, Elizabeth Your, Twitter, Elizabeth Your, and um, please follow me. I've, li I've put a lot of these videos up on my website and urge everybody to uh, revisit Fatima, both Catholics and non-Catholics. The message is stirring and I think especially poignant for our time. It's a good day in the war room when I start off the morning show and I got Julie Kelly on and then I end it with Liz. You're two tough Chicago broads. Okay, gals from Chicago. Liz, thank you so much. I want everybody to go to her site. Thank you. Oh, oh yeah, sure. How refreshing. Of course, she's telling people to go to her website. I'm not sending you there. It's for information only. If you go there and you look over the documents, it's only for information because I'm definitely not endorsing any vision from Mary, that's for sure. <laughs> Those are her words, not mine. But if, you, if, if you're that desperate for news and you have to bring somebody like Liz Yoron to, to tell people that they better pray, Catholics and non-Catholics alike, because if Russia's not consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary then it, it, there could be devastating consequences. Like, what would that do? What would that do if, if the Pope decides? And most likely, he probably is going to do it for a show. And uh, so, so what's that going to prove? And what, what's that going to stop? It's not going to stop anything. It's not going to stop anything.
there's evil in this world. There's evil. And people uh, praying the rosary and people consecrating things to Mary, that's not going to change one thing. That's not going to change one thing. The only thing that we can do, yeah, we can pray. And we can witness. Everybody can witness. We all can witness to people. And that's what we have to do. Because if people have a changed heart and their heart is turned over to the Lord Jesus Christ, they really don't want to fight and kill to get people to believe in uh, their so-called religion. So there's a lot more behind this whole story than meets the eye. And I tried to compile some of these audio so people could see what what, uh, other people are saying and how it's kind of all mixed in with the uh, desire for power, of course, to get these countries again to, to all be one. And then in a spiritual sense to bring people back to this one particular Orthodox church. And then, of course, the Catholic Church is involved some way because they they have to bring everybody back into their so-called one true church. So it's pretty crazy. But here's some more information about Fatima. Here we go. Uh, And I really want to thank the person that transcribed this for me. The following is a transcription of what is possibly the third secret of Fatima, as read by Art Bell over the air on Coast to Coast AM on 5-14-98 at 34 minutes and 48 seconds into the program. And I began it uh, with this preamble, all right, I in no way warrant the following as being authentic. I have no way of knowing. All I can tell you is it feels real. It is alleged to be the third secret of Fatima. You decide for yourself. Here we go. A great plague will befall mankind. Nowhere in the world will there be order. Satan will rule the highest places, determining the way of things. He will succeed in seducing the spirits of the great scientists who invent arms with which it will be possible to destroy a large part of humanity in a few minutes. Satan will have his power. The powerful who command the people and who will incite them to produce enormous quantities of arms. God will punish man more thoroughly than with the flood. There will come the time of all times and the end of all ends. The great and powerful will perish together with the small and weak. Even for the church... It will be the time of its greatest trial. Cardinals will oppose cardinals. Bishops will oppose bishops. Satan will walk among them. And in Rome, there will be changes. The church will be darkened, and the world will be shaking with terror. One great war will erupt in the second half of the 20th century. Fire and smoke will fall from the sky. The waters of the oceans will change into steam, and the steam will rise and overflow everything. The waters of the ocean will become mist. Millions and millions of people will die from hour to hour. Whoever remains alive will envy the dead. Everywhere one turns, one's glance, there will be um, 
uh, there is going to be anguish and misery, ruins in every country. The time draws nearer. The abyss widens without hope. The good to perish with the bad. The great with the small. The princes of the church with the faithful. The rulers with their people. There will be death everywhere because of the errors committed by non-believers and crazy followers of Satan, which will then, and only then, take control over the world. At the last, those who survive will at every chance newly proclaim God and His glory, and they will serve Him as when the world was not so perverted. That's supposedly the third secret of Fatima that was given to one of these children that claims that Mary appeared to them. And so the secret was hidden, but of course they finally let it out. I don't know what the big secret was. <laughs> I don't know what the big secret Anyway, here's more about it. If someone were to say to you why what happened all those years ago had to have happened to you, how would you respond? Because it was necessary. And do you have any regrets? I haven't done enough to please my mother. Which mother? Every time I read the name of one of our boys who lost his life, I have great admiration for them. They defend our progressive ideas that will free our country from religious superstitions. God choose you. What's so special about you? It could have been the devil. He often disguises himself. I've come for the seers. See what you've done? You deceived everyone. I have to go. I promised the lady I would go back. You were just a child. What harm can three little children possibly do? What is dangerous is what they represent. A huge crowd of people. We need to stop them. We came to see our children. I want my child is dead! When is this going to end? All you need to say now is, I made everything up. So sorry you couldn't see her. Faith begins at the edges of understanding. Uh, so they made a movie about it. So yeah, they have this 
and music and, and uh, the actors and the actresses. And so it's, it's kind of hard to believe, really, because this, they made a shrine out of this place, Fatima, and thousands, even millions of people have flocked there to uh, be at the place where supposedly the Virgin Mary, which we know that Mary had other children after she married Joseph, of course, God, we know God doesn't have a mother in that sense that the embryo was implanted in her and uh, she did give birth to Jesus and took care of him, but God didn't have a mother. She was uh, symbolic in a sense where, like I said, of course she did give birth to him and she raised him, but she had nothing to do with his DNA as far as he was born God. He was God walking the earth in, in uh, like the book of Philippians says, he came in the fashion of a man and he never laid down his divinity. So to worship a woman like the Catholics worship her and then to supposedly have these apparitions that can affect human history, which I'm sure that it, some of these things that have to do with Mary especially have affected human history because there's been... If you, if you say to a Catholic... If you try to explain to a Catholic about Mary and that Mary uh, wasn't born without sin, they believe she was born without sin, they believe that she ascended into heaven and that she sits at the right hand of her son in heaven, well, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. But if you would dare to argue with a Catholic about it, they'll get very angry because... They love Mary. In some cases, they love her more than Jesus. And uh, they pray long prayers to Mary, where if you say the rosary, you say uh, like 50 Hail Marys in a row. They, they pray on these beads. And there's 10 beads where you say a, this prayer, the Hail Mary. And then there's another bead where you pray the Our Father and then you pray the Hail Mary again. So you're constantly hailing Mary, which to me is a form of like a hypnotic brainwashing thing to uh, get you to worship Mary when Mary can't save the world. She can cannot save the world. Anyway, let's play some of this. St. John Paul II was a mystic. He dialogued with Our Lady, and had prophetic visions. Pope John Paul II was enraptured while presiding the Eucharist, some claim. Then Vatican Speaker Joaquin Navarro Valls said, that sometimes after praying, Pope John Paul II would fall into ecstasy, and then it was necessary to carry him by his feet from the chapel to his bed. Cardinal Giovanni Ray was a direct witness of the 26 and a half years of Pope John Paul II's pontificate, and he revealed the Holy Father's secret for making difficult decisions, he prayed for a long time. 
On May 13, 1981, the 64th anniversary of Fatima's first apparition, the saint survived an assassin's bullets in St. Peter's Square. He thanked Our Lady for her intervention, and likened himself to the bishop in white killed in the third Fatima secret. The Holy Father then entrusted the world to the Immaculate Heart on December 8, 1981, the Solemnity of Mary's Immaculate Conception, and again on May 13, 1982, one year after the attack, the 65th anniversary of Fatima. Because of his depth of prayer and discernment, Pope John Paul II decided in 1984 that the whole world now needed the powerful help of Our Lady to counter the errors of Communist Russia. So, Saint John Paul II asked all the Catholic bishops of the Church to join him in consecrating the whole world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, with special prayers for those countries such as Russia that particularly needed her intercession. Finally, on the Solemnity of the Annunciation on March 25, 1984, Saint John Paul II consecrated the world. He omitted mention of Russia, but prayed that Our Lady enlighten and bless those peoples for whom you yourself are awaiting our act of consecration and entrusting. Weeks later, on the very Feast of Fatima, May 13, 1984, an explosion at the Soviet arsenal in Severomorsk destroyed two-thirds of its main fleet's projectiles. That prevented the invasion Moscow had plotted when Washington looked set to gain nuclear superiority with the planned Star Wars anti-ballistic missile system. Three years later, on December 8, 1987, the Immaculate Conception Feast, Soviet leader Konstantin Chinenko died. His successor Mikhail Gorbachev launched sweeping reforms, which led to the collapse of Soviet communism four years later. Sister Lucia said the 1984 consecration was accepted by God, the Soviet Union collapsed and Russia officially returned to the Christian faith. Today daily prayer and Christian instruction are required in Russian public schools. In a public ceremony broadcast throughout Russia, President Vladimir Putin and his political staff kissed the icon of Our Lady of Kazan, the holiest image of Our Lady as Queen of Russia. Pope John Paul began his pontificate in a difficult time for the world. He personally experienced what were two totalitarian, godless and inhumane systems, Nazism and Communism, that deeply scarred the lives of the people of the 20th century and brought upon them untold suffering. This is very strange, isn't it? Very strange. How do people believe it? People really believe it, and they, they'd fight to the death. And uh, they talk about this Pope John Paul. Of course, they've since canonized him as a saint. And in the Catholic Church, to be canonized as a saint, after you die, you have to perform a certain amount of miracles, and then they it goes up before some kind of a board or whatever, and then you're canonized as saint. So they built a memorial to him in Washington, D.C., and uh, there was a, a photograph that was taken right before the election in 2020 of President Trump and Melania going to visit this memorial. And then when Trump and Melania go inside, they kneel down in front of this relic of Pope John Paul, and it's a relic of his blood. So 
that was a disturbing that that was a very disturbing photo to me as well that like why is Trump kneeling before this relic of blood it was very weird anyway Here's another clip. Russia has continued its military buildup along the border with Ukraine since U.S. President Joe Biden and his Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin held a two-hour video conference earlier this month. Despite Biden's stern warning that Russia would pay a terrible price in the event it invades Ukraine, the forward deployment of hundreds of Russian tanks, howitzers, self-propelled artillery and tens of thousands of troops has not been reversed. Russia is one step away from war with Ukraine, a report on state TV has warned. As this apocalyptic scenario develops along the Ukraine border it is startling to read that author and Vatican insider Father Malachi Martin said the prophecy of Fatima's third secret would involve Ukraine and Russia. Importantly, Father Martin claims to be one of a handful of people to have read the third secret. The Vatican insider, who died in 1999, had some extraordinary things to say about the Fatima prophecies which now seem to be unfolding before our eyes. Father Malachi Martin vowed to the Church not to disclose the full contents of the secrets but did reveal that Russia and Ukraine played a major role in the end-time events. This revelation is astonishing given the rising tensions in that region. The priest says, Sister Lucia's single-page letter of the third secret covers three topics. 1. A physical chastisement of nations. 2. A spiritual chastisement. 3. The central function of Russia in the two which in fact, the physical and spiritual chastisements are to be girded on a faithful timetable in which Russia is the ratchet. In 1996, Father Malachi Martin told radio host Art Bell that, the salvation for the world will start in Russia, and that the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary would begin with Russia. He said Russia's role in the vision of Fatima is very important because if we're to believe the vision of Fatima, salvation for the world, the cure for the world ills, will start in the Ukraine and in Russia, and that was why the Virgin in the Fatima vision of 1917 was supposed to have spoken actively about Russia. Russia first of all has to be cured of her errors and then she will help the entire world to get better and to cure itself of its sins. It's a very bizarre message in that sense because one would have said that salvation was going to come from the West as we always think because we are Westerners, but no, according to the message of Fatima, salvation will come from the East, and particularly, from Ukraine and from the state of Russia itself, which is extraordinary. <laughs> Yeah, it's extraordinary, all right. <laughs> Since salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. And why do we need the third secret of Fatima when we have the book of Revelation and uh, we have the Bible? And it is written what the future of the world will be. It's very, very deceptive. It, it's very, very deceptive, but... I think it's very, very curious what's going on behind the scenes and what's not really being reported on national news because you only get really what they want you to hear on a lot of these news broadcasts. And to me, I, I think that there's so much more going on that we're not seeing 
and as terrible as it as it is, and it's terrible to see these people being killed and these bombs being dropped on innocent people. There's so much more to the story. And and I think in the days ahead, we'll find out more and more. Because, yeah, the devil has his plans, of course. The devil has his plans, but so does Jesus, and he wins. Here's another clip. Praise be Jesus and Mary. I'm David Rodriguez, content director of the Fatima Center, and today I am joined by Father Michael Rodriguez. Welcome, Father. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's certainly good to have you here, and we have uh, a very important topic of discussion today in this special interview, because as I believe everyone is aware from what is being broadcast throughout the news, all the media outlets, there is turmoil, strife, war out in the Ukraine and Russia, Eastern Europe. So we're hearing all about that. And because of that, Father, also many more people seem to be talking about and open to hearing and learning more about the message that Our Lady brought us at Fatima. Of course, many people are, I think, at least remotely aware that Our Lady mentioned Russia and that somehow Russia is tied in with the Fatima message, and so people are certainly asking that. And so I really would like to talk about that with you, uh, anything that connects in terms of maybe the current geopolitical climate with that situation, but specifically how we as faithful Catholics will see it through the lens of Our Lady's message of Fatima, as we want to see all things. So we'll dive right into that, but perhaps I can open it by saying that it is being reported by a number of different uh, news outlets, for example, LifeSite News, that the bishops of the Ukraine have made a formal plead to the Holy Father that he consecrate Russia, and I believe also Ukraine, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, you can find this online, but I'll just read a, a brief portion of it. Um, responding to this prayer, or, or says, uh, Holy Father, in these hours of immeasurable pain and terrible ordeal for our people, we, the bishops of the Episcopal Conference of Ukraine, are spokesmen for the unceasing and the heartfelt prayer supported by our priests and consecrated persons, which comes to us from all Christian people, that your holiness will consecrate our motherland and Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Responding to this prayer, we humbly ask your holiness to publicly perform the act of consecration to the sacred Immaculate Heart of Mary of Ukraine and of Russia as requested by the Blessed Virgin in Fatima. May the Mother of God, Queen of Peace, accept our prayer. Regina Pacis, ora pro nobis. So, um, things that stood out that I appreciated was it was a request for something done publicly, specifically consecrating the nation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary as she requested at Fatima, uh, which, of course, the Fatima Center has been saying for years has never been done, despite the various consecrations that have been done, and despite many people trying to claim that the Russia, that the Russia was consecrated, we know it hasn't. And here you sort of have a very public acknowledgement by the collective bishops of the Ukraine 
asking for it to be done, which obviously says it, it has not been done yet. Yes, I mean, I think that most certainly it's a positive development that we have the Episcopal, Episcopal, Episcopal Conference of the Ukraine that has now also made this request of uh, Francis. And I think, again, it's a, certainly a step in the right direction because now for many, many, many years, well, those of us that are trying to do our best to be faithful to the message of Our Lady of Fatima, well, we've been um, praying and you know, sending petitions, so many efforts, obviously also so many efforts on the part of the beloved uh, late Father Gruner, may he rest in peace, I mean, precisely to this end. And so I think at this point now in the year of our Lord, 2022, to at least have a um, Episcopal conference asking for this, as, uh, as you pointed out, David. Uh, and how, how could these people believe that any of that is going to make any difference at all? in the situation between Russia and the Ukraine. It's hard to believe, really, that people are so deceived, isn't it? Here's the last clip. Holy Father, in these hours of immeasurable pain and terrible ordeal for our people, we, the bishops of the Episcopal Conference of Ukraine, are spokesmen for the unceasing and heartfelt prayer supported by our priests and consecrated persons, which comes to us from all Christian people, that your holiness will consecrate our motherland and Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Responding to this prayer, we humbly ask your holiness to publicly perform the act of consecration to the sacred Immaculate Heart of Mary of Ukraine and Russia as requested by the Blessed Virgin in Fatima. May the Mother of God, Queen of Peace, accept our prayer, Regina Pacis Ora Pronobis, which is Latin for Queen of Peace, pray for us. Now, this is some of the biggest, if you follow Our Lady Fatima, if you believe that the Blessed Virgin Mary, the ever-Virgin Theotokos, came down from her throne at the right hand of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and spoke to children in Fatima, Portugal, and revealed a threefold secret to those children, which included praying the rosary every day, consecrating the first five Saturdays in reparation for the five sins committed against the Virgin Mary and her son, and, drumroll please, the consecration of Russia by Pope, the Pope in union with the bishops of the world. Also a call for penance. That's the message of Fatima. And it began in 1917 on May 13th. Why May 13th? This goes back to the year of our Lord, 609. Pope Boniface IV consecrated in Rome, you notice the word consecrated here is being used, the Pantheon. What's the Pantheon? The Pantheon was an evil, idolatrous temple dedicated to all the gods of the Roman Empire. All the demons and devils of the Roman Empire had a house, a temple in Rome 
in which they dwell, where the people in their superstition worship demons as gods. And Pope Boniface IV consecrated that old, filthy temple called the Pantheon, all gods, and instead consecrated that idolatrous building to the honor and praise of the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the martyrs, the saints. When did that happen? That happened on May 13th, 609. So this reveals the trajectory, the teleology of the Fatima message. It's a consecration going back to May 13th, 609, of what is pagan and evil and idolatrous in the Roman Empire and consecrating it to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Are you with me? Oh. <laughs> so that demons are no longer worshipped, but Christ the King is worshipped. Boniface IV also installed an icon of the Mother of God, the Panagia, which is all holy, Hodegatria. Means directress, guide, leader. That was May 13th. So in 1917, Our Lady asks for this papal consecration and she specifies it has to be of Russia because Russia is going to spread her errors throughout the world. Now, on March 15th, 1917, the Tsar, Nicholas II, was forced to abdicate. So all of this is happening as the Russian Revolution, which is bloody and atheistic and communistic and naturalistic, is starting to rage against the historic Christianity of that nation, which was also in schism with Rome. So there is something going on here about consecrating Russia because Russia is about to be a menace to the entire world. Yeah. Obviously, it's, it's a menace to the, to the entire world, but so is the Catholic Church, a big menace because of its false doctrine and its leading people astray. Obviously, the religious systems of the world are the biggest menace to the cause of Christ that we have because we're, we're talking about where people are going to spend eternity because there is a heaven and there is a hell. And the message of the gospel has to go forth. We know what awaits humanity. We know what the book of Revelation says. And so the devil has a counterfeit. And so the devil then comes up with these three secrets of Fatima. And so I, I, think, we'll, I think we'll see some kind of a show from the Pope with this whole consecration thing. And, and, I, and the rise of more of these false religious systems and deceptions in these last days. So... The Bible says that we have to be 
wise as serpents and harmless as doves, and, and we really need to be able to discern good from evil. And sometimes when you hear something or you, or you see something, especially when it, when it comes to some of these television preachers, and it just doesn't quite sit right with you as far as the doctrine. And, and you see so many people nowadays on television, especially with someone like Sid Roth, and they all have these testimonies of Jesus appearing to them or they're going to heaven or they're going to hell or, or they see this vision and they see that vision. And a, a lot of that is very, very dangerous too. Because we know Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He said he's coming again. So he's not coming down here to make appearances to certain special people and giving them words and then taking some of these special people to heaven to give them words so they can come back here and tell you what God said. I know what God said because I have his word. I I can read his word. And so I don't need somebody telling me that they had this vision and they had that vision and and uh, if it doesn't line up with scripture. It has to line up with scripture. If it doesn't, then don't pay any attention to it. Because you see this, you see this whole Fatima thing and the secret of Fatima and there's consecrating Russia and... Uh, Russia will bring salvation to the whole world. It's a deception. And there's millions of people that believe it. That's the really sad part about it, is without question. They don't question anything. They just accept what they hear because it's what the hierarchy of their church is saying. And there's a lot of that that goes on in, in, uh, in many so-called Christian churches in this country where people, anything the pastor says, anything the vision, any vision he has or any word he has, oh, it must be gospel because he said it. Well, not necessarily so because you, if it doesn't agree with thus saith the Lord, then forget about it. I'm not going to believe it. We're just, any one of us is fallible. So, the Bible says, cursed is the man that puts his trust in man. We don't trust human beings to sustain us as far as what the word of God says. That's our responsibility to know what God's word says and then to practice it, to preach it, to proclaim it to the world without being ashamed of the gospel. So, We, we really have our work cut out for us, and I think in these end times, we just have to stand strong in what we believe and in what we know and not be swayed, tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. But we can stand firmly and say, I know in whom I have believed, and I know what his promises are, and I know what his word says. So no matter what anybody else says, I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. But who knows what the future holds as far as what's going to happen to us next. We just don't know. I think none of us 
they have been prepared for two years of a pandemic, and the pandemic is not over, really. They, they're trying to cover it up, but there's still thousands of people dying every day from the virus, and there's still tens of thousands of cases. They're not reporting them as much as they were because they want to now have people just live with it. You just have to live with the fact that it's here. And you don't know what's going to be unleashed next. They're talking about some kind of brain implants and these chips that they want to put into people. And Facebook's just come out now with a new statement about their, and we had talked about this a few weeks ago, about virtual reality and for and Facebook wanting people to go to the metaverse where they can totally escape reality. And many people will go there. You can see it with these false religious systems. People totally escape reality. And they believe anything that their leaders tell them, whether it's true or not. They don't want the truth. And if, and if people senators or congressmen and Supreme Court justices and whoever was there at this State of the Union the other night, if they can stand up and applaud somebody that just made a ridiculous statement, something is wrong big time. <laughs> so you, you see that people don't have ears to hear, and they don't. Somebody could say something, and somebody else can misinterpret what they said because maybe they didn't hear it correctly or they weren't listening. That's, that's the important thing right now is to listen to what thus saith the Lord as far as his word and... There are, there are good people out there that spend time researching things and trying to bring things to people's attention where some people are, don't have the time to do all that. So we thank God for the researchers out there and the investigative reporters and people that really try to get the, to the bottom of stories and to uh, kind of see another side of things anyway. But we don't have to be afraid. There's a healthy fear and there's an unhealthy fear. I think we have to be afraid of some things that a healthy fear where you try to prevent things from happening to yourself if, if you know there's danger ahead. Yeah, that's a healthy fear. But we don't have to constantly live in fear about the future because we know who holds the future. Amen? So... The most important thing today, there might be somebody listening today, and you don't know the G, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says in Romans three ten, there is none righteous, no not one. Romans three twenty three says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God sent his only begotten Son from heaven to the earth to walk the earth for 33 years and to die on a cross to rise from the dead and to ascend into heaven and he sits at the right hand of the Father. But he died for your salvation so you wouldn't have to die in your sins. And we've all sinned. And some people say, well, I'm a good person. I don't sin. Well, yeah, all have sinned. But there's a way out that no matter what you've done in the past, God can forgive you and he will forgive you if you ask. And then he puts those sins away and he remembers them no more and he gives you a brand new life and a brand new start nobody can do that for you nobody can buy you peace no matter how much money you have there was a, an interview this week with Bill Gates ex-wife Melinda and even though she's worth herself now after the divorce about 70 billion dollars she still suffered pain from the disintegration of her marriage where she said she was crying into her carpet. So it doesn't matter how much money you have. You can't buy peace and you can't buy joy and you can't buy a good marriage and you can't buy a good family and you can't force anybody to love you. But there's one person that loves you unconditionally and that's God. He loves you unconditionally. So give your life to Jesus Christ today. Start a brand new life. And you you can know that you have a home in heaven, that the earth is not your home. And when you leave here, you go to a better place. We know that. And we trust God for our future. So God bless you all today. And I want to thank everybody that tuned in, everybody in the chat room today. Thanks for stopping by. All our friends in Australia, Canada, Great Britain, South Africa, Nigeria, and all our listeners around the United States. We want to thank you all for tuning in. We have almost, we have about 972,000 listens and we're headed for a million listens, which I'm very thrilled about that God has blessed us with this broadcast and he's brought these people here. So we're grateful for that. God bless you.